Welcome to Live at the Zip Bar. You're here with JB. And David Cunningham. JB, episode 20. I think I've done all of them. You've done about 18 of them. Uh, This is your 18th. So it must be your turn to do a solo one, but that's not coming up soon because you're off to China this week, actually. We might touch on that near the end. But hey, I thought today we... uh, There's a great piece of research that BNZ does fairly regularly that compares the cost of owning a home versus renting a home. And the consistent outtake from that is that from a cash flow perspective, it's much cheaper to rent than own. So today we're going to explore the pros and cons of renting because obviously there's more to the equation than just the cash flow. There's a whole bunch of other dynamics. So today we're going to explore uh, owning versus renting. So where should we start? What's the best place to kick things off? I'd say the same principle applies to property investors as well in the sense that does it make sense to buy an investment property when we've got high interest rates and low rent yields? Yeah, so it's so the same, yep. same argument, but flipped a slightly different way, yep. right? Okay, so this is for property investors and homeowners, first homeowners, so it's basically for New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so own versus rent. Well, I guess, I mean, if you start off with the kind of the traditional analysis of this, which BNZ's done and done well, at the end of the day, you're looking at the cost of interest, right, versus the cost to rent. I mean, that's always going to be the bulk of your cost as a homeowner, unless you own 100% with no interest at a cost. But, you know, there are other things like rates and insurance and, you know, petrol for the lawnmower. Um, but, yeah, the big number massively will be interest cost versus rent. Especially at the moment. But you're right. Look, rates and insurance are actually surprisingly expensive these days, mm. especially house insurance. That's really mm. skyrocketing. Uh, it's, it's probably gone fivefold over the last decade, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Look yeah. at my numbers. <laughs> yeah. Depends no. where you live, of course. Uh, I'm in Kapiti on the, down in Wellington, and air rate air insurance is multiples of Auckland, at least double the cost of the same thing in Auckland. And that reflects the pricing for risk because we're earthquake zone, we're... Tsunami zone. Tsunami zone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so back to the... I mean, what, what the analysis will show, and I, the way I think about it is actually from a property investment perspective, which is at the moment you've got probably gross yields on property, if you're lucky, at 4%, mm-hmm. and after costs probably closer to three and a half. Mm -hmm. And so you go, okay, well, you're getting a return of three and a half percent, ignoring any capital growth Mm. in an environment where you're borrowing at seven. Yeah. You know, so clearly it's negative. Clearly, as an investor, the only reason you would invest in property at the moment is if you've got a belief that you're going to get capital growth. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd just be a poor investment. Now, for investors, it's harder than that because at the moment they've lost interest deductibility. On existing rentals and everything that's not a new build, yeah. Yeah, arguably the equation's even worse, which is why over the last you know year or so you have seen that mum and dad investors have literally disappeared from the second-hand house market, right? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, healthy homes. You know, mm. property investors have got to upgrade their homes. There's a whole lot of cost involved in that. Mm. Um, So property investors are telling you it's better to rent than to own right now. Okay, well, (laughs) let's, let's, we'll we'll come back to renting. Let's sort of look through, think about the pros and then the cons of property ownership. So what what do you reckon is the number one sort of thing about owning your property? Security. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, mean, certainly if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, shelter is actually right up there. It's one of the most important requirements for every human. Um, 
look, I mean, lack of rentals, right? Auckland is going into probably a rental crisis quite quickly. You know, I'm getting a lot of feedback now about people struggling to find rentals in Auckland. And Australia's been going through the same thing. And yeah, that's really hard and frustrating. Students trying to get a flat for university, that's such a stressful process mm. because, you know, they get accepted into the uni and then they just can't find accommodation. Mm. And it's the same thing. And you know, imagine you've got a family and you're having to juggle that with kids. Hmm. So security of, you know, if you've got a roof over your home, it's not someone else making a decision about whether you continue to have that roof uh, over your... Y- yeah, Labor you know, obviously improved the tenancy protection. Mm-hmm. So it's not the same as it was, you know, where you could give three months notice and literally kick your tenants out. Mm. But it's not a lot of notice in the market that's got a you know, l- lack of properties of available. Mm. It's a very stressful process of your mm. property owner puts mm. the house on the market. Yeah. So security, what other things sort of feed into that? Because I guess if you own your house, you know where your kids are going to school. So it's things like that too. Oh, 100%. That's the thing, right? You know, you imagine you're in the suburb, you're all settled in, kids are at school, you've got your transport options all sorted for work, the landlord suddenly says, right, sorry, selling the house, you're out. Mm. You're kind of restricted in what you can do, otherwise mm. you're having to move the kids' schools. Mm. If you've got a pet, yeah. I mean, p- pets is a huge one in New Zealand. Like, it's very hard to rent mm. if you've got pets. Okay, so you should own your house. So you have a... <laughs> if you want, if you want a pet, <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. got to buy. Yeah. One of the things I love about home ownership is that it forces saving. So you know, young and carefree, your income can often be getting quite good when you're in your sort of late twenties and thirties, especially if you're a professional or in the trades and so on. And it's blooming easy to spend that money, right? Well, we <laughs> we, we see it, right? Because we do a lot with first home buyers, mm, mm. and the ones that are really good, you know, save quite hard yeah the, you know the rest spend their money on avocados on toast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so you know the fact that a if you're saving for that house you have to be disciplined in how you spend your money and then when yeah. you're in the house the yeah. first thing that comes out of your pay is the mortgage payment right yeah you don't get it well actually kiwi saver tax is the first thing kiwi saver is the equal first thing and then the mortgage payment is sort of the next thing that automatically happens and so it sort of forces that saving for a customer in terms of principal and interest sort of payments. Yeah. So, you know, just like KiwiSaver that sort of comes out and you don't notice it, it's almost like that interest comes out if you don't notice it. Of course, the problem is what what happens when interest rates rise from 3% to 7%. Yeah, oh, look, absolutely. I, I mean, I think we've all been through it to varying degrees and some of us have been going through it even more recently with the high interest rates. Is just the squeeze that it puts on when interest rates go up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there'll be a lot of people out there at the moment that are really struggling with their mortgage, you know, and, and, and they're having to find cost savings and really change behaviours that they otherwise wouldn't have changed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the really tough side of home ownership. That's a tough side of even being a first home buyer, you know, so when you talk about own versus renting, I mean, that's really the first home buyer question and look whenever you buy your first home it hurts Mm. like i it hurt when we did it right yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, look, I mean, I remember that first home, you know, a little bit of support from the bank and mum and dad, but, you know, the interest rate was 15.3%. We had $100 a week for food. Now, this is going back 30 years, admittedly, but yeah. we were tight back then, and it's tight, you know, same sort of thing today. It is tough um, in those early days. But I guess that's the sort of point as time passes, incomes rise, but the value of the loan doesn't rise, right? You know, so yeah. you've got a, you know, $500,000 loan, that doesn't go up at the pace of inflation. You know, you've got to pay your interest, but it goes down as you pay it off. So you've got an appreciating asset and reducing debt on that asset if you're making payments on it, right? Yeah, 100%. So so the first, uh, and I mean, we will, would have experienced this, the first three or four years in your house, it was hard. Mm. And then it just gradually got easier as mm. your incomes increased. Now, incomes are increasing not only from inflation, but from people just riding their way up the career curve. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, it's interesting because I, I tried to do an analysis of this, but it was too hard to do without data. The data back then wasn't good enough. Maybe we could get Tari doing it again now. But you've got inflation, but the, the biggest contributor is actually just career progression mm. and getting uh, income increased that way. Mm. With um, the odd interruption with kids coming along and so on, so you know, that that's obviously creates a bunch of stress quite often for borrowers, but, oh, totally. but taking a longer term perspective, yeah. Yeah, and well, I mean, kids do create a lot of stress and that's another thing that we see. And so when you're thinking about home ownership, factoring kids into that is really, really critical. Mm. Um, and, and obviously the reduction of income Hmm. Can we talk a bit about the emotional elements of home ownership? You know, it's sort of the Kiwi dream and, you know, uh, you know, the comment you sort of hear is, you know, we were a nation of homeowners and that's sort of decreasing a bit. Is that the reality and how important is that emotional, I own my place, I'm in control of my destiny? It depends on who you are, you know, right. like I know a bunch of economists out there that don't own their own house, right? And I think... Because they're too theoretical, they do the numbers <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're economists, right? Yeah, 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 no, totally. With apologies to all economists. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, you know, they, they, and, and then they missed out on the property market going up a couple hundred percent. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it is an emotional transaction. We talked about security and I, I just think that's a massive emotional driver for people is the, the old expression, putting down roots. Because you do become part of a community you build friend networks you've got um, the kids build their own friend networks all of that stuff is emotional and important and then you go and you maybe take a step back and you go actually then just the lifestyle the ability to renovate the house which I think we all enjoy the ability to dream about renovating the house even if you can't do it <laughs> I've been dreaming about renovating my house for 15 years now yeah, yeah. I've done it and I've got the mortgage to show for it <laughs> that was a bit of a nightmare which is another story but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but at the end of it you own it you get what you want when you're in a rented property you get what the landlord want but hey on that point though my observation is you know there's a lot of commentary about healthy homes in fact here at Squirrel we had the CEO of Asthma New Zealand come along and bemoan the state of housing in New Zealand and mm. building standards are still approaching you know aren't at the level for truly healthy homes yeah but the owned housing stock, so owner-occupier, the health of those is way lower on average than the health of the rental stock. Is that a fair observation or not? I think it would be in, in parts yeah. of the market, especially where people have probably struggled into a house and they're just making do with what they've got. Yeah. The quality of rental stock's been pretty poor in this country, but it's obviously improving mm. with uh, healthy home standards. And you know, the tax rules around new builds being tax deductible for interest costs and so on would also be enhancing their average standard of the rental stock? 
Well, slow, no, slowly. slowly. Yeah, it's a slow thing. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I think we all put up with a bit more when it's our house. When yeah. you own your house, when I, look, I'm a, obviously an economist, so the way I think about it is do it once, do it right. And I'm always reluctant to renovate small things mm. if I have a view that I'm actually going to redo it again later on. Mm. So my house is fully single glazed, 1968 brick and tile, right? Mm. I've probably still got a whole lot of walls in my house that don't have insulation in them. <laughs> I've put insulation in under the floor where I can, but you know we haven't taken the jib off. But if you were renting that, you'd have to do well, things have that to, you haven't right? done. Yeah. <laughs> so JB's yeah. living in poverty. <laughs> but no. I, I chucked in. Uh, I chucked in, in an unhealthy home. Okay, yeah. <laughs> unhealthy. It's pretty healthy. Yeah. I, I chucked in a heat pump. That does the job. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about renting. So, you know, the pro, we've talked about, yes, it's cheaper on the face of it. Yes, you don't have to save for a deposit so you can carry on with a lifestyle. Yes, your home may be healthier than uh, home ownership. And I suppose in falling at markets, like for the last two years it's been better to rent than own because you know you might have paid a million dollars two years ago and it's an eight hundred thousand dollar house so that oh, would have clearly. been the, the perfect time to i mean i suppose it's like anything though it would have been better not to be in KiwiSaver for a year when markets were falling strongly um and of course you know um, so it's the same thing better to be the terminology is short in a falling market and long in other words you've got assets in a rising market yeah I and here i thought i agreed with you i put my kiwi saver into a conservative fund uh, at the right time yep and my conservative fund fell more than a growth fund oh, okay <laughs> maybe maybe kiwi saver is a topic for another day but yeah good good, good point so you know it would have been really great to be renting for the last couple of years and actually saving your deposit Oh, 100%. Look, I mean, you know, no one really wants to buy at the top of a market yeah. and then have house prices fall. If you look through the cycles, though, you take a longer-term view of it, and I think home ownership is a long-term perspective, yeah. is uh, the market goes up and down, and it does. I mean, we've been through, you know, arguably the biggest market drop in, in living memory, right? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel so bad when prices had just risen 40 or 50%, you know, 25, 20, 25% fall uh, felt. Uh, for people that owned a property for a while, but yeah. for anyone that bought in at the top, it's pretty horrific. Yeah. I mean, they've literally had all of the equity wiped out, right? Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, you know, we've had high employment, uh, so unemployment hasn't been an issue. The biggest risk for most people who have lost equity in a, in a falling market is divorce. Because you're forced to sell. Forced yeah. to sell into a soft market. Mm. But most people can hold on, right? And so... And look, the reality is banks, the lenders in New Zealand will do everything they can to keep you in your home, right? Absolutely. You know, it's not of their interest from a, a brand perspective, but the economic perspective to see to people, push people turf out down of their houses. houses. Yeah. 100%. And so, you know, people have uh, held on. That's meant that there's been less, far less property sales because people are staying put. Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, in the last few months, you're starting to see house prices increasing again in Auckland and Wellington. And Wellington was particularly hard hit mm. with falling prices because there's been a change in confidence. Mm. People are, have moved from being fearful of catching a falling knife mm. to now <laughs> moving back to yeah. a fear of missing out, yeah. knowing that we're through the bottom of the yeah. cycle, right? Yeah, it's interesting. When we started this podcast series, which is three, three and a half, four months ago, you know, I think one of our first ones was, has the housing market bottomed? And our conclusion was yes. Mm. <laughs> I, although I went into the argument saying, no, the analysis actually supported yes. And, you know, universally, 
every economist is now picking uh, house prices increases in the year ahead of up to 10%. So we've got yeah. you know banks at 5, 6, 8%, up to 10%. It's sort of quite an extraordinary turnaround, isn't it? I guess this is probably where, this is the crux of the argument around owning versus renting, right? Because I think if you looked at it purely from a cash flow perspective, very strongly, a strong argument for rent. Mm-hmm. What we've said is, you know, that ignores house prices increasing or ignores inflation. And inflation, yeah. 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 Because I think inflation is the thing that gives you long-term certainty around increasing house prices as long as you've got inflation in the world it will ultimately transfer through to incomes and as it transfers through to incomes it will transfer through to house prices i suppose there's a sort of insight there is deflation is probably the most dangerous economic outcome you can have because the whole economy frees up why would i buy something today yes if i can get it cheaper tomorrow so just taking that to China, as I said, you're off to China in a, tonight. <laughs> Interesting stats in China, home ownership in China. Do you know what home ownership in China rates are? What percentage yeah. of homeowners? No, I wouldn't have a clue. Take, take a stab. Oh, I honestly wouldn't know. 80%. 80. 80. I was flabbergasted when I heard that, and it's yeah. a reality. And the other sort of insight is Chinese, the Chinese people are the best savers in the world. So their household saving rates runs at 40%. New Zealand, it's like one or something. So huge savings. And the sort of insight in terms of what's happening in China at the moment is that they had deflation and so house prices were falling. And so what you've seen in China is this massive delay in spending, but the saving wave continuing and the insight I got from sort of reading and listening to some podcasts in the last day or two is that those Chinese consumers will come back into the market. So they've seen the downward adjustment in house prices. They've got the money to buy stuff like houses, apartments, and so on. That's in their psyche even more so than New Zealand, which surprised me. Yeah. But it's a reality. And they've got the money to spend. They've just been holding off. And so the Chinese government is reflating the economy, in other words, trying to, you know, turning around deflation, and the view is that that deflationary impact is sort of over. There's a huge pent-up demand in China, and that will go into housing and into things like EVs. You know, 30% of the cars in China are EV or hybrid today. Their goal is 100% by 2030. <laughs> and they'll achieve it. Yeah, yeah and they'll I achieve mean, it, yeah, yeah. A command economy, yeah. right? So sort of interesting in terms of that sort of level of home ownership at, at so high. Turn to Europe, though the prevalence of home ownership is materially lower. Like places like Germany, I think it runs at 30 to 40%. Yeah, because I've got massive institutional investors playing in the rental market. Right. So in other words, there's a huge ready supply of tenancies available and they can be very long term. So I could rent the same place for 10, 20, 30, 40, my whole life almost. Is that that the reality? Yeah. It's just that huge supply and availability and very strong protection for tenants as well, I understand. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing with Europe though, generally rule of thumb is that you just don't have the same levels of immigration. Um, So you've got stable populations and people typically, I mean there are exceptions like London Mm. and and stuff, but um, people typically don't move, right? So you go, if you go outside of the sort of major global international cities Mm -hmm. that obviously do have quite transient populations and you go further out, people really stick 
Mm. You know, arguably the same is true of New Zealand outside of probably, you know, particularly Auckland mm. and Wellington. Mm. Um, I guess we've probably got quite sticky population as well. Mm. It's just as a percentage of our population, you know, we are so heavily skewed mm. towards Auckland. Mm. Mm. So back to New Zealand, should we be worried about house price inflation? I mean, if we were building, you know, like you said, there's a rental shortage emerging in the major centres. It's already here and now. Same is true in Australia and, and that, you know, immigration is sort of creating that demand sort of uh, shock that wasn't there a year or two ago. Are we building enough houses? Is inflation and house prices too high consistently in New Zealand? I think we'd all agree that house prices are generally too high in New Zealand. And I think we've had discussions about this before. But you know, there's some reality to it. It's always been that way. It's not like it's a sudden mm. thing. Mm. Um, Kiwis value property really highly and have historically shown a tendency to be prepared to spend a lot of their discretionary income on home ownership. Mm. For know, all those reasons we talked about, you know, that hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the emotional, the security side of things, you know, so there are a lot of emotional factors in there. It's in the psyche. Oh, for all Kiwis, you know, yeah. I mean, we always joke about, you know, the aspiration of Kiwis is to own a house, own a batch and a boat. Yeah. And to be honest, looking at my friends, it's pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> I own a tent that I take to the Papamoa campground, JB, but yeah. Um, <laughs> my boat is my paddleboard and my windsurfer, yeah. Yeah, so, so look, the one thing is if you look at um, debt-to-income levels long-term, they sort of hover around 40%. Mm. And then a, a top of an interest rate cycle like we're at the moment goes over 50, and mm. that's, you know, that's the squeeze and that's what feels uncomfortable. Mm. It doesn't really go much below 40. Mm. And so, you know, as incomes... I guess increase, we've had a drop in house prices, interest rates come back, that number's just going to kick back into action again. Kiwis will bid their discretionary dollar mm. into buying property. Yeah, yeah. The good news is that we're also putting that undiscretionary dollar into KiwiSaver. Well, it's sort of discretionary because yeah. we can opt out, obviously, but you know, there's a barbell there, isn't there? You know, there's property and then there's sort yeah. of long term investment through KiwiSaver. This would be a discussion for another day, but I had this debate the other day with someone which was you know rather than have pushed mortgage rates up to seven percent to kind of slow the economy down wouldn't it have been better if the government had forced KiwiSaver contributions from say three to six percent and taken the discretionary dollar mm. out of people's wallets mm. into their long-term savings yeah. as opposed to pushing it through into into higher mortgage rates and squeezing I guess vulnerable first-home buyers and potentially business owners that then can't leverage capital into the into the SME market. Yeah, that's right? definitely a conversation for another day. Hey, just to close, JB, so you're in China for the next uh, 10 days. Is there anything in particular you're interested in? Oh, look, I've been reading quite a bit on China. It's like what you were talking about. I think there's arguments both ways with China. It's going to be really interesting going out there and just seeing what the sentiment's like on the ground, if mm -hmm. people will be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. I'm sure they will be. And um, you're going to visit the Great Wall of China? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, five days in Shanghai and then yeah. five, five days yeah. in Beijing. Yeah. Fun fact, JB asked me the other night, how long's the Great Wall of China? And he asked everyone sitting around the dinner table, and I think we all came up with about two and a half thousand kilometres. The actual length of the built elements of the Great Wall of China? 20, uh, 23,000 K. 
23,000 K. So you're not you're only walking a few hundred meters at it, I'm sure. So you'll be yeah. back in a couple more, two or three weeks for the next, uh, another it's, episode. It's but astoundingly big, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's like, so we worked out, it's over 30 times the distance from Wellington to Auckland, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. All built by hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, well, let's wrap it up there. It's bye from Dave. And bye from JB. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.